Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 21 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. Now, Angelo, this is a pretty amazing week for us. This is the first time we've both managed to get out a regularly scheduled episode as well as a bonus episode. So how do you feel about that? We're two days out, so we're recording this on Thursday. We dropped our episode uh, Tuesday the 12th, and uh, how's the experience been so far? It was really great. We had a lot of people uh, listening to it. Uh, our download numbers were pretty good for that episode. Uh, and uh, I guess we kind of took advantage of all the Apple hype going on, but I think we wanted to get our point across that we had something to say about the event on uh, Tuesday. And it was a really exciting event, I think. Uh, now, having had a few days to think about what was presented and all that, we'll give some more deep thoughts about it uh, later on in this episode. But all in all, I think it was a successful bonus episode we got to do. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I definitely feel like it was a lot of fun to do and that like it was a very specific topic and, you know, it allowed us to sort of talk about an event in a way that we don't necessarily get to in a normal episode. And because of uh, Tim, Cook, Tim Cook's choice of uh, emoji or an emoji, we got to get in some paranormal in there too. <laughs> Agreed. So if you want to check that out and you haven't done so yet, you can find that either through uh, normal feeds like iTunes, Stitcher, etc. Or you can head over to DoubleDensity.net and check out our bonus episode there. So yes, uh, to recap, a lot of new, uh, the biggest things that were announced on Tuesday were some new iPhones. Yeah, there's three new iPhones coming out in, well, one is, two of them are coming out next week, or they're coming out the 22nd. And then the major one that leaps two numbers is coming out uh, at the beginning of November. So almost a month and a half apart. So there's the 8, the 8 Plus, and the 10 slash X, right? And I think you and I were talking about this on the bonus episode. And that, like, I, I've also seen the comments online that a lot of people were wondering, like, what will happen to the 9 if that naming continues? So, yeah, I think they're kind of setting it up so that within the next few years, they're going to have to do something with the numbering. Because... At a certain point, it gets ridiculous, right? iPhone 14, iPhone 15, it doesn't make sense. And they've kind of stopped that with the Macs and the iPads and all that. There's no numbers really on any of them. So I'm thinking that's what they're going to do eventually. They're going to have to change the naming convention. And it might happen, I guess, for the 11, right? They might have an iPhone 9 and maybe a Will they do an iPhone 11? What are they going to do? I mean, they haven't stopped numbering iOS. Now we're at iOS 11. Uh, I never really thought we'd get this far because uh, OS 10 stayed 10 for 10, 12 years. So I don't know. Are they going to start naming it the iPhone 10.1, iPhone 10.2? Who knows? If you have any ideas about the uh, some naming, uh, naming nomenclature that you'd like to see, you can definitely hit us up on Twitter at double underscore density. We'd love to hear your ideas. Now, the iPhone wasn't the only thing that was discussed um, during the keynote speech, right? So um, uh, there was the watch, the TV, which we obviously <laughs> did not care about, as well as retail. But um, something interesting that we did see was... Uh, one of the new features of the 10 is the face ID. And unfortunately during the middle of the presentation, the face ID failed. So they had to go to the um, safety phone on the podium during the presentation. So it actually didn't fail. Uh, the message Craig got on his is basically part of what happens now with touch ID. If you press touch ID with the wrong finger too many times, it'll actually give you that exact message. It wasn't a, a failure message or anything. It's not like somebody restarted it. It's what happens when you try to use one of their security features too, uh, too many times with a, with a negative. So it sounds like what they said, uh, they wrote to, I think, was it 9to5Mac, where they wrote to them and said, 
it didn't actually fail. It worked as it was supposed to. When people were setting it up, it kept detecting people's faces that weren't Craig's. And that's why when Craig went to pick it up, it failed, but failed in the way it's supposed to fail. And luckily they had the backup and that was a really smooth transition, I have to say. Well, I mean, you, you kind of, for, I'd imagine for these presentations, you, you prepare, right? So for all um, unfortunate eventualities, and I've been there in that position where I've had to run presentations and you always have that safety net there and you always like have to take, you know, the worst case scenario into consideration when you're doing these things. It's smart. Uh, and it, it was entertaining when these things would happen to Steve Jobs because he'd get really mad and you can tell he would be controlling it, but he'd get really upset. Are you aware of anyone who's been fired over this, um, over at uh, Cupertino? No, I haven't heard of anybody getting fired. There was always that funny rumor about uh, Steve's assistant that would travel with him and unfire people as he fired them, but I think that's always <laughs> that's been a, that's been proven false. But no, there's some great compilations on YouTube of Steve Jobs' demo fails and him getting annoyed, like throwing things off the stage and anything like that. So uh, I was listening to one podcast where they said it was appropriate that it happened in the Steve Jobs Theater. Speaking of that, so the Steve Jobs Theater, it's the first time that they used it for an Apple event, right? It's the first time they've used it at all for anything. Anything public. Yeah, it's the first time. They, it's the grand opening, I guess you can call it. Because, I mean, nobody's been really at Apple Park yet other than a few Apple employees. They've slowly started moving there. And from what I could tell, was, uh, it had that new uh, theater smell from what I've heard from a few people describe it. And there were some great things online about... Um, visiting Apple Park for the first time. Uh, some great articles uh, by uh, Jason Snell. There's another one by uh, by John Gruber. There's a whole bunch that they talked about their first visit to this, um, to this theater and Apple Park. And uh, I'll put them in the show notes because they're good reads and a really interesting take on... Um, not it, so the like the iPhones and all of that weren't the only things that they unveiled. It was also the unveiling of Apple Park and the Steve Jobs Theater. It's important to note that. Whenever the words Apple Park, like Tim Cook said Apple Park and in such a way he said, welcome to Apple Park. And I felt like I said in the, in the bonus episode, like this really is a Jurassic Park type of scenario for me that like something's going to go wrong. They should check their payrolls for a Dennis Nedry type of person, right? Like I feel like it's an unfortunate name uh, in the popular consciousness, I think. It, it, was, it was one of the few choices they really had, I guess, at this point. What else can they name it, really? Uh, Infinite Loop is a really cool name. So is Googleplex. Those are really cool names. Apple, Apple Park is, I don't want to say boring, but more mundane. At least the other ones had a sort of uh, computer nerdy connotation, right? Uh, uh, Infinite Loop, we know what that is. A Googleplex, we know what that is. Apple Park, you're right. It's like Jurassic Park or uh, it's like uh, you'd expect there to be a football game. Okay, so hear me out on this one, okay? So do you remember the band New Order from the 80s? Yes. Okay, so they're assigned to a record label called Factory Records. And Factory Records assigned a release number to everything Factory Records related, not only uh, in terms of music, but they they owned a club called the Hacienda, and it also is attached and has a Factory Records release number to it. So I feel like they should have done something here that started that trend of naming all the Apple products with different release numbers, right? So this could be the the mystical iPhone Theater 9 or whatever. God. No, I don't, I, I don't like all these numbers. That's something that's been driving me crazy. Why do they keep using the stupid numbers on the iPhones? I think it's, it's because, right, we can easily say the iPhone is by far the most popular product in the world of anything it gets the most news of anything is that safe to say 
Uh, at this point, yeah, I'd say I'd say it's safe to say. Like it's not it's not the Nintendo Wii anymore or anything like that. It's the iPhone is by far the most popular consumer product ever made. Uh, no matter how many Android phones they sell or whatever, Samsung sells a ton of phones, but as a one thing product, it's the iPhone. And now this is the first year. Uh, or I guess to a lesser extent, the 6 and the 6 Plus were the first time they kind of separated things. But, oh, I guess even the 5C, right? But geez, <laughs> I'm just going back. But this is the first time really where there's there's a big change in how these two are the, the supposed flagship products, but there's kind of two of them, and one's seemingly better than the other and is uh, a lot more expensive than what what normally would have been the upgrade for everyone. This X or 10, whatever, I hate that name, uh, is the the one that people are going to aspire to have. And if you get an 8 or an 8 Plus, eh, you got the boring budget iPhone, which is by far not a budget phone. It's actually more expensive than the other phones before it. Uh, I think it's coming up at a premium, premium of an extra 50 bucks. And speaking of an extra 50 bucks, my iPad that I bought a few months ago actually went up in price. Oh, do you, do you know why that is? Yeah, there's a problem with memory shortages, and memory is a lot more expensive than it was before. So um, that's why all these phones and iPads and things are going up in price uh, by about 50 bucks. I have a theory about the nomenclature, and I think it's just it's simple human psychology. Two is better than one. Three is better than two, right? So in um, we're in communities where um, English isn't necessarily like the first language, right? Um, the idea of the new and improved having the biggest number, I think, is the easiest selling point. Yeah, and that's that's part of the reason why when uh, Samsung had the the Note Five, there was no Note Six. They jumped to the Seven so that it could be on par with the iPhone. And similarly, why uh, the Xbox wasn't called the uh, the Xbox Three Sixty wasn't called the Xbox Two. It was called the Xbox 360 because it was going up against the PlayStation 3. So they didn't want to have a 2 versus a 3, even though it's two totally separate products. Uh, pivoting slightly. So just to recap, iOS, watchOS, and tvOS are out September 19th. New macOS, High Sierra, is out the 25th. The phone's out at the end of the month. And then uh, the 10 is out November 3rd, I believe. And November 2nd is, uh, yeah, 2nd or 3rd. It, uh, you can start pre-ordering them uh, at the end of October. So, are you getting one of these phones, Brian? Uh, no, I'm good with my uh, I'm good with my SE at the moment, and uh, I'm happy I'm not upgrading because I'm going to play the wait and see game. If you held a gun to my head and I had to choose one of these phones right now, I'd probably get an eight plus. There we go. Yeah, well, I mean the the ten all in is about uh, seventeen hundred dollars Canadian in the end, right? So. After taxes, I think it's start. Yeah, it's it's thirteen hundred plus tax and yeah. I saw someone do all the math, and it's it's about seventeen hundred. That's awful. <laughs> it definitely is. You can buy a decent uh, laptop or two for that price. Not a not a you budget can, Lenovo though. No, no, you can buy a MacBook for that price. There you go, and maybe even uh, bid on an eBay uh, auction for an old um, iPod or some old video game magazines. Well, speaking of old and uh, things that are have. Uh, lifespans to him i just uh i sent you a link today to a motherboard article about a legal case that's going on in terms of um touch rot and how uh, apple lawyers are claiming that uh, phones are usually only supposed to be um in terms of like a competent lifespan only last to cover the warranty which is a year yeah that's such a weird uh it was an interesting article but also weird because apple covers certain things so for example my iphone 6s 
I'm kind of holding out as long as I possibly can uh, with it because I actually have a repair program out for it where the battery on my model of phone with my serial number is actually uh, slated for a repair because they were exposed to the air for too long or something. And apparently people's phones shut down at like um, 30% or 20% if it's too cold. That's actually only happened to me once in the two years I've had this phone. So I'm not too bothered by it. But my plan is for next March or April to buy either the iPhone uh, 10 or 8 Plus or 8 or whatever I decide by that point. And then wipe this phone, have the battery changed. And then basically my wife gets a brand new 6S, which uh, in terms of uh, processing power and stuff is absolutely fine for most people. So I think that's what I'm going to do. And it's nice that Apple actually has that. Now that for this touch disease thing, I thought they had a repair program for that. They do, but I think the way that I read it is that um, uh, because this is part of a class action or class action they're hoping to launch, and I think that's part of that too, right? That they were misled about um, the length of a, a, an iPhone's life. Yeah, and this is a weird defect with a couple of the chips getting sort of literally bent out of shape because of putting your phone in and out of your pocket. I think um, this happened to my sister's phone where it just stopped working, and my nephew, who actually works at Apple, said, there's not much you can do about this. Let's just get you a new phone. Let's hop from some bad news to some good news. So two episodes ago, we talked about the SNES Classic, and um, we sort of voiced some fears that there may be a shortage in terms of unit as there was for the NES Classic. But uh, Nintendo of America President uh, Reggie Filsamay has said that that is not going to be the case. And apparently, they're even going to start or restart production on the NES Classic next year, too. Yeah, that's really interesting. Too late, though. I bought my RetroPie, uh, <laughs> and I'm using that, and it's working really well. You're done and done. And speaking of the RetroPie, if you want to head over to DoubleDensity.net and click on our blog, Angelo has a great article up about getting his RetroPie prepared, and it's an essential read if you plan on doing um, any sort of uh, uh, emulation going down that road. And I feel like this has been quite the learning experience for you. It really was. Uh, I knew nothing of the Raspberry Pi uh, other than having heard about it, and people do all kinds of really neat things with it. But because I really wanted to play these retro games on the SNES and then realized I couldn't get one easily in Quebec and also the frustration of not being able to get an SNES classic last year, although to a lesser extent because a bunch of those games on there I really wasn't super interested in. I had a lot of them already on the NES, but I really have learned a lot about putting together this tiny little machine and getting these ROMs on there. And I went into detail on the, the article. And if you read it and you have any questions, please, you can contact us on uh, doubledensity.net. There's a little contact form. And we had, to, we had some contact this week, but uh, we'll talk about that later. It's great that Nintendo's actually saying that they're going to meet demand and they're going back and, and manufacturing the, the NES Classic, which, from what I understand, is essentially a Raspberry Pi in there. Right, like its hardware is very close to it. So it, it's such a weird, weird way Nintendo works. And we talked about this, but why do they have this fascination of, of holding up supply to create demand when they can sell everything? It's like um, Apple too now with these, with these phones, they're saying the 10 is going to be in real short supply. I'm wondering what's going to happen with the 8 and 8 Plus. Are they going to have too much because everybody's just going to want that X? And that's something um, 
I don't know if you want to talk about this today or just maybe in the next couple of weeks as, as these phones become available, but maybe we should kind of figure out what people should get. I feel like you've also pulled another cardinal sin just now and calling it the X when you've uh, admonished X? me for doing the same. So uh, I guess we're uh, no better uh, one or the other. Yeah. I, what <laughs> it's, it started to creep into your brain. Well, it's again, it's really stupid to call it the 10 and make your new iPhone 8 and 8 Plus look inferior. Okay, so let's decide this right now. Instead of iPhone 10 on the show, going forward, what would you like to call it? Like the new, new iPhone? No, we're going to call it the 10. Apple calls it the 10. We do what they say. Can, so, we, <laughs> can we call it the face phone at least? The face phone. I, that's something I found cool is the face ID um, image, I guess, whatever. The, the, the logo for face ID is the, almost the same as the original um, Mac Finder on the 1984 iMac, uh, iMac 1984 Macintosh. <laughs> Okay, so um, you can call it whatever you want. I'm calling it the face phone going forward, and you'll just have to deal with that because I feel face phone is slightly better than 10 or X. I'm going to hold that to you, the Apple face okay, phone. Okay, perfect. iPhone um, face. So let's shift into some stuff. And Okay, so hold on a sec. Give me a pause here. Okay, ready for this? Okay. Let's talk about some doom and gloom news. You're going to have to put some really cool reverb on that. Oh, do not worry. I have plenty of that in store. So a couple of uh, really sad slash bad things have happened over the last um, seven days or so. And so um, the biggest, I guess, would be this Equifax uh, hack exposing 143 million U.S. consumers. And so the thing is that so there are 143 million uh, uh, U.S. residents who have been exposed, but there are numerous other, and I'd say it's probably in the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of Canadian users who've had to, for some reason or another, uh, file with Equifax. Uh, I've had two friends in particular who've, who've mentioned that they are scared that their information is also compromised. So can you explain a bit why a Canadian would have to do that? Uh, any sort of thing, if you're applying for like any financial institution in the States or anything at all, or if you um, are looking to get a line of credit in the States or any sort of like f financial transaction that happens across borders, you still um, have to apply for that depending on a number of um, sorts of regulations or what you're looking to do in terms of banking in the United States. Okay, so that makes a lot of sense that you'd have to... Okay, but now, so the social security numbers of all these Americans were kind of exposed. The Canadians don't have social security numbers. Would our social insurance number be exposed? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's the biggest concern that uh, my two friends had voiced. That's not good at all. That's, as uh, a certain president would say, very not good. Bigly not good. Yeah, not good. Uh, and so um, sort of... Uh, tangential to this there's that website that equifax is running to find out whether or not you've been compromised and a number of outlets have been reporting that it gives you a random yes or no as to whether or not your information has been compromised if you put in the same exact information oh that's really great good helpful helpful information Right. And so um, and a, a bunch of people have been warning users not to actually go to the website because they fear that using this website um, clears you of any chance of filing a class action. Because you've gone and found out. Wow, wow that's... Because you've agreed to their terms that you uh, will not sue, etc. That's, that's really shady on their part. What a terrible company. Absolutely. And um, I do believe that one of the governmental agencies, I think it's the FCC, has publicly acknowledged that they're looking into the situation given the gravity of the situation. They don't usually comment on ongoing investigations, but they felt that since this has affected so many Americans in such a broad manner that they had to make a statement saying that they're looking into this right now. And the interesting thing is that to help secure you, they're offering you a service that they've created. So the company that got breached is going to give you security. That's really helpful. 
<laughs> I mean, there's all sorts of stuff too. So, you know, some of the executives actually sold their stock in late July and early August after finding out about this breach before it was made public, right? So that's insider trading. Um, the Argentinian arm of Equifax was using the admin admin login for a lot of their um, <laughs> larger consoles and stuff. Wow. So there's all sorts of like little um, um, tangents going on here right now about this story that unfortunately leads to a lot of issues for a lot of Americans. And unfortunately in the States, you have to go through a company like Equifax in order to be able to establish your credentials um, with financial institutions. So what blows my mind is that... so. Between you and I, we're, we're not very well-known people. Uh, Double Density is not like the most popular podcast in the world. But our passwords are pretty secure, like really secure. Uh, this is not a, this is not a, a, a dare-to-go kind of uh, infiltrate our passwords. But Well, this kind of sounds like you're, th- you're, no. you're offering people to sort of break into our, our personal and uh, Double Density email addresses and social media accounts. So thank you, Angelo. Thank you for putting that out there. Please don't do that. But just to say... Our passwords are not password one, password two, <laughs> password three. Or even or, password six. Or admin, admin. That's really dumb. That's like the default password you get on a crappy router. Well, you know, this, it is what it is. And unfortunately, um, professionally, these people in charge of um, securing your most sensitive information clearly uh, have not done so. And, and, you know, right before all this happened earlier this year, they were looking to try and get regulations softened in terms of... Um, what happens if something like this uh, should occur at the same time too. So there's a lot of really iffy kind of things going on here. Yeah. It's, um, it's incredible that this has gone that far with such sensitive information. These poor people have their credit card numbers. Okay. No big deal. You can kind of get rid of that, but social insurance, social security numbers, your driver's license number, I think also a picture of the driver's license in some cases, that's insane that that's such sensitive information that's just out there now. For anyone. I don't really want to get into it too much, but I had a bit of an issue earlier this year um, with something similar happening. And I'm, I'm also exploring my options right now in terms of what I can do to protect myself in, in a case where my information may or may not have gotten out in, uh, in an unethical manner, either through the proper web or the dark web, right? So... <laughs> It's kind of a worrying kind of thing, right? And I mean, especially going to the future when a lot of more of this stuff is sort of um, centralized in different ways and um, made to be accessed in a non-physical space, it becomes a problem. Yeah, have you, you've gone to that website? Have you been pwned to see if you... Yeah, I've uh, signed up for it. And uh, so I've gotten a couple of things uh, on there. I have a few, but nothing, uh, nothing major. So I'm, I've been, knock on wood, relatively lucky with this stuff. So your live journal password has not been leaked to the internet? No, it has not. I don't have live <laughs> journal anything. Yeah, okay. I really believe that one. I, I picture you running live journal where it's just Photoshop pictures of you and Tim Cook and then you and Steve Jobs and you and Craig Federighi just hanging out, you know, having lunch together, discussing life and love and the mysteries therein. Sharing uh, an emoji. Actually, you just reminded me of something going back to the Apple event because everything goes back to that. Um, that video of so the of course they did a johnny ive a video which uh, presented the new iphone 10 in such a beautiful light with his great voice explaining the intricacies of the design but then it switched to him being an emoji talking and it was the funniest thing i've ever seen at any apple event ever it was really funny i don't know if you know much about him uh brian but he's a very serious man um and he takes things very seriously and there's um this is a great uh, th- uh meme of him 
or when Scott Forstall was pushed out of Apple because uh, Johnny Ive took over the um, human interface stuff of all the, uh, of everything basically, of both um, design for the hardware and the software, um, there was an image of Scott Forstall with a big smile on his face morphing into very serious and dour uh, Johnny Ive. And I think we'll have to find a, a picture of that to post because it's really funny switching back from funny to sad and continuing with this doom and gloom tradition uh facebook uh, allowed or allows i'm not too sure um if that's still the case um people to advertise based on sort of a uh how can i put this diplomatically um less uh than uh ethical (laughs) sets of words or i guess like less than harmonious sets of words uh so things like, for example, um, you can target people who in their profile have um, the words Jew hater or how to burn Jews or history of why Jews were in the world. Oh, that's wonderful. These are wonderful, wonderful people. I, I, uh, Facebook is such garbage. Until this was discovered by ProPublica, this apparently was a thing that you could use uh, very easily um, towards uh, targeting specific people. Um, and so they uh, did a little test, ran some, uh, put some money into it, and they were able to go ahead and um, target specific people based on this. So I find it very interesting um, how, and I think this kind of speaks to bigger issues in terms of like automated processes, right? Because this wasn't manually checked. So if you start typing in specific words, you could target them. And it's only really um, when it becomes an issue that Facebook will do something about that. Similarly to a lot of um, the way that YouTube polices its content, um, it's sort of an automated process. And um, there's a big thing going on over at YouTube right now called the Adpocalypse, right? Where a lot of um, creators are seeing their um, videos, which were once monetized, are now demonetized with no rhyme or reason. And a lot of people have done things like upload the same video to multiple accounts to see uh, how many would stay up versus how many would go down and what kind of information they would get um, based on uh, the messaging from uh, Google to them. Yeah, including a few of our favorites, uh, like uh, H3H3 Productions. They've had a lot of issues with them. The demonetization of some of their videos and um, it's just i don't get it it's not well handled on youtube's part they're trying their best now and they're they've they've made some changes but there's still issues there and a lot of these people are making their living from youtube and you can say uh, oh well they just make their living being making youtube videos but they work really hard on these videos and do a really good job and when youtube's machine learning demonetizes these videos that people actually enjoy watching it makes a it, it, they take a big hit on this, and there a lot of a lot of them were leaving YouTube in droves, going to Twitch, weren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And the same thing too is you've seen a lot of creators either uh, yeah. So for example, H three H three does a weekly stream on there, and they have a Patreon that's tied to it, and so um, that's how they plan on sort of um, ensuring that they can at least make up some of the revenue lost from the demonetized YouTube videos. They started a podcast as well, so that stream then turns into a podcast, which I listen to. And they have some ads on that podcast. It's a good, it's a really good podcast. Although one of the last episodes was, I think, three hundred and twenty-five minutes long, <laughs> like six hours almost. I didn't listen to it. It's, it's just, yeah. but I'm amazed. So that they you've can hit go. your podcast limit. So we found like a limit for you for a single episode, and it's, it's about six hours. It's about six hours. Yeah, that's, but that's long. Well, for sure, that's a, that's almost an entire workday, right? So, so no, I, well, no, not at the speed I listen to. But even then, like, let's say it's like a morning. Oh yeah, and so I uh, and uh, yeah, it was too long to listen to. So I listened to a bit, and then I kind of fast forward through a bunch of it, uh, which nobody does with double density because we keep them nice and short. 
Well, not that yeah, short. If you're but... listening at uh, higher than 1x, then I need to talk to you. I have some words to say to you, and they're not going to be nice ones. I listen to this at 1x when I, when I re- re-listen to it to make sure there's no problems. Uh, but casual listening to Double Density, are you like higher than 1x? You can tell me. It's okay. Yeah, I didn't, yeah for sure. If, when, I, when I listen to it the second time to double check everything and just make sure that, that it went out right in the feed, it's like at 1.5, not higher. Well, uh, it's been nice knowing you, Angelo, but clearly we have to stop working together because you're one of those people. All right, thanks. Bye. Double Density. Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we are switching from technology to the paranormal. And this week, uh, we're going to start off by doing something that was suggested to us by one of our listeners. And we're kind of curious to see how this goes. So um, if you've been a regular listener to Double Density, you know that Angela and Siri haven't been on the best terms because Siri has acted like the Terminator and Angela is like Sarah Connor. I, I feel like that's an appropriate um, uh, sort of similarity, right? Yeah, and people are wondering, no, this is nothing to do with tech. Um, our listener wanted us to ask Syria, Sir, Syria, Siri, <laughs> knock off Siri. Uh, so ask Siri about Area Fifty One. So so let's let's listen and let's see what happens. This. Okay. Hey Siri, can you tell me about Area Fifty One? The United States Air Force facility commonly known as Area Fifty One is a highly classified remote detachment of Edwards Air Force Base in the Nevada test and training range. Would you like to hear more? That's okay. Thanks, Siri. You seem to know your stuff. The United States Air Force facility <laughs> known as Area. Um, so it's clear that Siri... Uh, is Siri part of a campaign of disinformation? Uh, it's possible. She's uh, up there with uh, Richard Doty. Uh, <laughs> nice callback. Good job. Double density. Um, so last week, towards the end of last week, when we were talking about our double density uh, scale of ufology, we also mentioned that we we tend to go deep into ufology um, in terms of like uh, the biggest topic we talk about when we talk about the paranormal, right? So uh, we briefly talked about spirits and things, and we wanted to kind of get into a primer on ghosts this week as sort of a way to sort of uh, shift away from our last few weeks, which have been very UFO heavy, into something that's sort of um, interesting for a variety of reasons, right? Because um, ghosts are a very fascinating topic. And um, you had an early start in learning about ghosts. Yeah. So we, we've touched upon these uh, World of the Unknown books that I used to take out of the library at my elementary school. Uh, and one of the ones, I we used to shift between the UFO one and the ghosts one, but the ghosts one always stuck with me because it scared the crap out of me, first of all. And as a little kid, I totally believed in ghosts. Um, and this book really got me started on trying to look into it. And I knew all about them. And there's some some famous photos in there. Uh, one of them, as I was doing my research for this episode, was uh, the Brown Lady of Raynham Hall. And um, I'll post a link to the Wikipedia article on that because the famous photo is right at the top of that page. Um, and it's super creepy. I'm just looking at it now, I'm feeling like the goosebumps. I, I, I say that often during this show, but it's true. I, I, even though I don't believe in much of this stuff, I easily get creeped out by it. Uh, and ghosts are pretty interesting in the how, more often than not, people do believe in ghosts. And one of my favorite movies of all time, obviously, is uh, Ghostbusters. And 
Um, going back to tech for a second, uh, one of the games uh, I got on the Genesis emulator is Ghostbusters, and it's a fantastic little early Genesis game. Is that the one where you go to different um, buildings and clear them out for money? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And uh, for some reason, Winston's not there, but you have the other three Ghostbusters, and they kind of look like them. Yeah, and but don't they have the big heads? Yeah, they have the big giant bobbleheads. Um, and the only game I actually downloaded for my MAME uh, emulator, which I haven't been able to get to work. So if somebody knows how to get that stupid thing to work properly, um, send me an email at um, in the contact page. But uh, I got Paperboy to work, but I couldn't get Ghostbusters Arcade to work, which is technically not even a Ghost- Ghostbusters game. It kind of got reskinned when it came to the uh, to North America as the real Ghostbusters, but in Japan it's known as something else. But that's besides the point. Ghosts have always been interesting to me. And um, one of my favorite all-time Unsolved Mysteries episode is one of those Halloween specials, and it was the one about ghosts. You know exactly which one I'm talking to, about, right, Brian? The one with the haunted bed. And the, <laughs> I was about to say, is it the haunted uh, bunk bed? The haunted bunk bed. Uh, the Queen, uh, is it the Queen Mary ship? Yes. That's a really haunted uh, space, for sure, from what I understand. And um, those are the two that always uh, stuck with me um, in terms of... Um, ghost stories from unsolved mysteries but ghost stories in general have always interested me um i think ufos took over more toward uh later in my teens and early 20s and what you and i like to talk about a lot because it's where we're most knowledgeable but ghosts are really interesting and we decided let's do this primer and talk about ghosts a bit um the different types of ghosts and uh You've said you have a lot of notes on this, so I'm really curious to see where you take me with this uh, topic. All right, so let's start with the definition of a ghost, okay? So um, globally, as like an umbrella term, uh, let's agree that a ghost is a spirit or the remains of a deceased person. Not diseased, but deceased, right? Isn't like stone cold dead. Um, A ghost can be seen or unseen, right? So you can either see something or have the idea that there's an aura or something around you. And and there are a variety of like different forms and tones of ghosts. So we can agree on that one as a base, right? Yeah, that's essentially what a ghost is. It's something that's remaining from what was once living. Is that a good definition? It, you know, it could also be like a ghost dog or something. It doesn't have to be a person. Well, that's what I meant in terms of like a variety of forms, oh, okay. right? So it can be a ghost anything, and they can be benevolent ghosts or mischievous ghosts. Yeah, those are the, the, the interesting ones. Um, so to start with, do you know what the word poltergeist means? It, uh, so geist is spirit, like, uh, like zeitgeist, right? Spirit of the times. Um, but I'm not sure what polter means. Sure. So the word is German, yes. and so poltergeist means either a noisy spirit or a noisy ghost. Okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. So polter okay. means noisy in German. Poltergeists are a troublesome type of ghost and will often interact with the living through, like, um, moving objects around or levitation or things like that. Um, or they'll touch you or poke you or prod you, right? So very mischievous kind of uh, ghosts. Um, uh, and ghosts are often considered uh, as haunting a place, whereas poltergeists are often considered disturbing a place. So there's an important distinction between the two in that um, usually poltergeists are malevolent beings, um, tricksters, if you will, I guess, you know, as a type of ghost. So they're not always evil, though. No, I mean, but the majority of the time they're there to like mess around with you in terms of like everything that I've read. Uh, uh, people have had incidents with poltergeists have described that they're very mischievous spirits. The, the thing I find interesting um, as a skeptic about poltergeists is they often happen in families where there's younger um, 
preteen or younger children. And uh, as a, I say this as a skeptic, is that the the reason it's interesting that poltergeist seem to happen with this is it's probably the kids messing with you. For sure. And uh, statistically speaking, poltergeists and a lot of other forms of like ghosts uh, will more often than not um, target uh, teenage females for some reason. And I've read a little bit about that too. And I'll try and find a good article to post in the shillings, but prevalently like they're, that's where they kind of associate themselves. And I have two kids in this house so far, no ghosts. (laughs) Well, so far, right? So far, we'll see what happens as time goes on. And I'll report on this podcast. <laughs> Perfect. So next up are ghouls. So a ghoul is a malevolent spirit that can uh, shapeshift and, you know, eats human flesh. Oh, that's um, pleasant. Yeah. So <laughs> Originally yeah. based in Arabic folklore, um, a ghoul falls more in line with things like goblins and vampires and zombies and other undead creatures of like a fictional nature. So um, in terms of like IRL or real instances where a ghoul has appeared, there haven't been that many. So why, why do you classify a ghoul as a ghosts because it's it's see when i think ghost i think an apparition something that like you can pass through but a ghoul i always think of something that's um that's physically there right well a ghoul is um something that's uh, deceased and physical so i feel like it kind of falls under the umbrella of a ghost well that makes sense okay um, um and, and i feel like it's it's closer in terms of, uh, to a ghost than maybe like a zombie would be and it's also see like when you uh, there's ghosts and goblins and then ghouls and ghosts, so it makes <laughs> right, sense. right. So I feel like uh, you know it is like a goblin sort of, um, but I feel like it's more closely associated in the reading that I've done in terms of like the spirit world. Okay, that that's that's a very good explanation to my question. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> You're welcome, Angelo. Moving along to the next sort of ghost I have is a phantom. So it's a uh, so a phantom can be a synonym of a ghost. But um, in a lot of the different readings I've done, there have been some contradictory sort of things. So in some instances, people make the differentiation that a phantom can also mark an unseen type of spirit, whereas a ghost is more traditionally a visible spirit. Okay, and poltergeists, going back to them, they're also unseen, right? They're the ones we don't really, they don't manifest themselves. And so a phantom... Would a phantom be also a poltergeist if it's like a playful phantom? So, For sure. Um, some people may also argue that a phantom has uh, more personal significance to the person being haunted versus uh, the less specific ghost, right? So like the phantom, the, the opera, etc. So a lot of people suggested that phantom uh, ties in specifically to um, uh, either person or place, uh, whereas a ghost is more of a generalized kind of wanderer. Okay, that, yeah, that, that, that definition makes, uh, makes good sense there. So I thought that was interesting because, yeah, a lot of people use phantom and ghosts interchangeably, but some people make the distinction that it's personal versus unpersonal and seen versus unseen. Yeah, so that's that's a really good, actually, dis- distinction to make. So if we ever start a ghost-busting company, we can have that as part of the um, menu of things we'll work with. We will bust all kinds of things, including the next um, sort of ghost. Um, and as this list continues, I feel like it's going to get a little weirder. So Oh, I can't wait. Um, orb ghosts oh well we know all about orbs we had <laughs> we we saw one right so a type of ghost my that poor is kid. Um, spherical in nature often probably has a blob-like appearance orbs are kind of like rods right so they're photographic tricks yeah very so, few people sorry go ahead yeah well orbs are basically uh an artifact of taking a picture indoors most of the time where you're you're sh- with a flash it comes off basically from um, dust in the air or something, uh, some other particles. Is that a kind of correct assessment? 
Yeah, for sure. I wrote down, um, you know, very few people have claimed to see orbs uh, in real life. And instead, the evidence of orbs existence um, is often photographic in nature. So they're most apparent in low light situations where light source, as you're saying, usually a flash or even a directed bulb uh, appears to illuminate particles in the air or anything really um, that's between the subject and um, the background. So making it appear to be sort of um, some kind of uh, photo trickery. Yeah. And I hear the camera on the new iPhone is really going to be good at not uh, getting orbs in your photos. Uh, it, it, there's a special chip in there that eliminates uh, orbs from bothering you in your pictures. You heard this here, folks, an anti-orb iPhone coming out this fall. That's a great idea, Brian. <laughs> um, and sort of associated to that is the funnel ghost, which is even wackier than that, right? So some believe the funnel to be related to the orb ghost, but slimmer and narrower and longer like a cylinder, I guess. It's also an optical illusion, but um, some people believe that uh, it contains uh, whirling currents of energy, cur- sorry, currents of energy, like a ghost fueler cyclone. So uh, Melba Goodwin in her book, Ghost Winds, uh, postulates that these vortexes or funnels are conduits that supply energy for ghosts to maintain their spherical shape until they pick a more distinct form. So basically, funnel ghosts are the waiting room of the distinct ghost. Oh, that's so interesting. And you, you brought up um, something up from... My memory as a kid when I used to read, uh, like I said, a lot of ghost books, one of the ghost books um, said that whenever you see a little, you know, whenever you're like walking down the street and you see like leaves like in a little whirlwind, I don't know if you've ever seen that. Yes. Yeah. Like a mini tornado. Like a, like a mini tiny tornado. Yeah. Well, that's a ghost. That's not uh, some sort of meteorological ph- phenomenon. It's, it's a ghost. So what you're saying is that you, we, we've all seen ghosts. We just haven't realized it. We have. Uh, any same, same this same book. I I wish I could find it. So these things from my childhood that I lost. Um, it was a, a paperback book I got from Scholastic. Which, funny enough, just a few hours ago, my wife and I were going over the Scholastic order for for my daughter. Um, Talk about nostalgia right there. So what are you? What are you? So do you pick for your daughter, or does she pick, and you kind of say yes, no? Yeah, uh, she picks. We say yes, no. Like, so what has she picked? Anything involving ghosts or spooks? No, she's into spies. Like Harriet the Spy? No, well, not necessarily Harriet the Spy, but like the spy stuff. Do you hear the cat meowing? I think she's a ghost. I do, but it's very soothing. Okay, good. Um, yeah, she's into that type of stuff. But this book that I was reading as a kid that I, I remember getting from Scholastic, it talked about the little cyclone thing. But it also said, if you're going, uh, if you're leaving the house to put breadcrumbs in your pocket to protect yourself from ghosts. And why is that? I don't know. Also... Always cover your mouth when you sneeze, because if you sneeze with your mouth open, a ghost can go into you, into your body and steal your soul. Well, obviously, yeah. I mean, that's kind of common, common knowledge at this point. Well, that's actually a good way to not let kids spread their stupid germs. Right now, I have two <laughs> sick kids in my house, so I can't wait to get that cold. So you're just, you're just willing to use the paranormal as a way to sort of protect yourself against sickness. That's a really good idea, actually. I'll go into their room after we're done with the podcast with a flashlight to my face and say... When you sneeze, cover your mouth or I'll haunt you. <laughs> um, so kind of tying into that, let's get into the next one, which is the, so depending on where you live, you either pronounce it bogey or boogeyman, right? So the boogeyman is a mythical nighttime creature used to scare kids into submission through stories that portray the boogeyman as an evil entity intent on taking kids away. So a form of this exists worldwide through different cultures, and the very definition of boogeyman varies wildly from country to country and even person to person. Angelo, have you ever used the boogeyman defense on your kids? No, but I have a friend who uh, would tell her, her, her daughter to make sure she eats or the monster's going to come and get her. 
So. <laughs> and how late did that last? Like, was the kid like 12? No, no. It was just like five or six. Okay. But you've never used that on your kids. I have not used anything like that because I think my wife would kill me because then she'd have to deal with the nightmares because I usually just end up sleeping through that stuff. So in Quebec, right, we have Le Bonhomme Satar, a.k.a. the 7 o'clock man, who comes to each house at 7 to, to take the misbehaving kids away, which he will then take back to his lair cave and eat. Right? I've never so, heard this one. Really? Le Bonhomme Satar? My mom used to laugh about that all the time as a kid. No, I, mean, I come from an Italian household, so like we, didn't, we had other stuff to scare children with. Could you name some things that, you know, may be paranormal in nature in that case? No, but I do remember. So I don't like in my head, it was never, it wasn't a dream, but I remember being a little kid and the, the power being out and us shining a flashlight on the mirror and there being this really frightening looking pale face staring back at us. Now, obviously this was a dream because my whole family was there and uh, they haven't talked about this weird man in the mirror. So luckily, I'm pretty sure it was a dream that I had as a little kid. But it's something that stuck with me up until my age now. And I'm, I'm going to turn 20 next week, right? <laughs> uh, and uh, Sure. Yeah. But so like, what, I guess that what, I was four or five, so like 35 years ago. And it still stuck with me, that dream. And it was this scary face I saw. In, I, I'm picturing it now, but... Um, what's funny is I'm picturing it now in the way my parents' house looks now, which is nothing like how it looked when I was that age. So obviously it's a created memory. Um, what I enjoy about the seven o'clock man is that he's a very punctual monster, right? <laughs> so like he shows up directly at seven, not 6.59 or seven one, like right at seven o'clock. He wants to see if these kids were misbehaving or not, right? Like He'll a weird kids, but he's reliable. like a, he's like a weird reverse Santa Claus, really. <laughs> when <laughs> you think really about great. it, like. He's popping into all the chimneys at exactly the same time to check on your kids. And then eat them. Hey, I, uh, no, not only eat them, but take them back to his lair or cave and eat them, right? Like, he, he has a whole place where he does this. It's, uh, uh what's that movie? Jeepers Creepers. There Reminds you go. me of that. That was with a terrible movie. With Justin Long? Yeah, the Mac. <laughs> it all um, comes back to Apple. So, uh, another category of ghost or ghost-like, um spirit is the ectoplasm right so it's essentially spirit fluids so the term was coined by french physiologist charles Richet, who also um was slightly racist and believed in things like eugenics so you know right. take that as you will um so apparently ectoplasm is a gauze-like substance that mediums form when they're in a trans-like state so it comes out of their orifices and then turns uh the gauze into a physical shell that the world can interact with right so this spirit um the medium unleashes uh, the ectoplasm and it forms a shell by which a spirit can talk to you by, right? It just sounds to me like they're sick. Yeah. <laughs> That's a very good point, actually. And I mean, like, it's largely been debunked anyway, so it's not believed to exist at all, which is why I included sort of like at the tail end of this list. But I want to ask Slimer from the Ghostbusters franchise about his thoughts on this feeling, right? Because they talk about how he's a being of pure ectoplasm. Well, and Ghostbusters was the first time I heard of ectoplasm when you saw it in the... Uh... In the library, and that's still that image of Peter Venkman touching it and then getting it on his fingers and rubbing it on uh, everywhere to try and get it off his fingers. It was pretty funny. Uh, yeah, but like, uh, so yeah, this is like the least believable type of of um, ghost slash apparition type, right? And uh, finally, I also have Casper the Friendly Ghost, maybe the dead Richie Rich. What do you think? Oh, yeah, I remember hearing about that weird conspiracy. 
Well, I mean, but, it was also on an episode of The Simpsons where they go to a comic book convention and then uh, Lisa Simpson's holding up a, a copy of a Rich Rich comic and a copy of a Casper comic and makes that comment, which I think is like the most well-known um, sort of uh, way in which that kind of rumor got out. Huh. Are we due Simpsons. for a Casper revival, do you think? So my kids watched a Casper movie on Netflix, uh, not the Christina Ricci one. Is it Christina Ricci? Yeah. Is it the one with Hilary Duff? No, it was like a really, really crappy CG movie. Like Casper Goes to School or something stupid. It was terrible. Uh, but kids will watch any garbage on Netflix if, if it'll keep them entertained. Uh, there's a lot of garbage children's shows on Netflix, just FYI. <laughs> we may get into that in another episode in the tech portion. Yeah, that's a good idea, actually. I think I hear a hellhound outside, actually. The, yeah, that's... Those are really creepy, right? Those stories of those big black dogs following people. I think Led Zeppelin wrote a song about one. Uh, <laughs> and there's a lot of interesting stories about that. That could be a whole show on its own, actually. As is the next type of person, which is a shadow person, right? So it's a formless um, uh, sort of being that you see in the corner of your eye. Um, and it often skulks around the place where you live or work. See, and that one's more believable because there's a very reliable source out there who has a lot of pictures of shadow people that are haunting him. I think I know and, where you're going with this, but go on. Yeah, and he's he's really reliable. He has excellent images of shadow people as well as gray aliens running around his living room and his kitchen. Um, in fact, he and caught he one. he also has astral children with one woman that isn't his wife, if I'm believing what you're trying to tell me. His, his child has giant eyeballs, too. So, and, his child who appeared to him at a UFO convention and appears in images that he takes outside, although she kind of looks photoshopped, but I don't know. Um, can anyone guess who we're talking about? Send us a message, you'll win a prize. We'll tell you what the prize is when you send us the message. It'll be exactly, you, it'll you be us, us congratulating you live on air. So you can reach us through doubledensity.net. You can click on the contact button at the top right. You can hit us up on Twitter, double underscore density, facebook.com slash double density podcast, as well as Instagram, double density podcast. And finally, our email, double density podcast at gmail.com. So Angela, did you enjoy all of these different kinds of ghosts, this primer of ghostiness? It's a great primer. We're going to definitely dig into some of these. I, I when we initially were planning this episode, we had thought we were just going to talk about poltergeists, and we realized, you know, we haven't really talked much about ghosts, and we need to kind of uh, sort of sort of lay out where we're coming from with this thing, with these things. So uh, we're going to eventually do a poltergeist episode for sure. But I I was um, amazed at the amount of types of ghosts there are. I don't know if you can hear the ghost behind me right now. It was an airplane passing over my house. I think airplane um, or UFO. It, it's uh, or a UFO. Well, no, UFOs are silent. Um, I spent a whole evening looking for them with you, and I did not find any of them. So none at all. Um, but yeah, this is definitely laying the groundwork for uh, future episodes where we talk about different kinds of ghosts, right? And it is September, one of my favorite times of the year. Halloween is coming up, so I'll definitely uh, be touching on this between now and then because I have a lot of ideas that I'd like to uh, sort of put out into the virtual airwaves um, through the Double Density podcast. Yeah, I'm hoping that our, our Halloween episode will be something special. I'd like to, we're going to start planning that soon, actually. And um, Halloween is, um, it's on a Tuesday this year, actually. So our episode will come out at the beginning of that week, I think, for the Halloween spectacular. Or should it be spooktacular? Sorry, I made a mistake there. It should have been the Halloween spooktacular. That, I think everybody uses that, right? And pretty much, yeah. It's yeah. like the, the 
prefer nomenclature for um, any sort of Halloween special. So yeah, stay tuned for Angelo versus the Hellhounds coming this Halloween from Double Density. Double Density presents the sounds of your youth. Welcome back to Double Density. And as we keep mentioning, we have a brand new website, doubledensity.net. And through that, we have uh, people contacting us through the contact button. And I use the term people very loosely because clearly I don't know if these are humans or not. So uh, in this segment, we like to call this the classic double density mailbag. So we have two uh, um, mail pieces of mail that have come in this week. So I'm going to read the first and Angela will read the second. So the first um, piece of mail this week comes from a man named Jack who emailed me uh, and he listed his website as linux.org. So congratulations, dude. <laughs> um, so the message is as follows. If you are the type of person who is lower than thrilled with the prospect of working in the identical workplace day after day, and let me note that there are odd spacings in the middle of words. So after it's AFT space E spa, uh, space R, um, so day after day, eliminating this type of routine is one of the most vital highlights which you can receive from freelancing. When you rent yourself out as a freelancer, each job project that you simply tackle will be a brand new adventure. Not only will the work environmental change, but additionally, you will have the opportunity to meet many extra fascinating people. This factor alone is one of the primary, the reason why many paralegals desire free will pantsing over committing <laughs> themselves to at least one particular workplace. So this man wants us to start freelancing either, um, or free pantsing, uh, as a paralegal, apparently. Uh, is that the way you spell paralegal? <laughs> Para, yeah, it is. Okay. But not wrong. the way you, you say free pantsing. No. Maybe meant paranormal paralegal. So, uh, thanks Jack. I'm not sure if you're a robot or not. I do believe you're actually like a real person because, uh, your, uh, operating system as well as, uh, the rest of the particulars, uh, kind of check out. So I guess you've been copying and pasting all day long. So congrats. And our next, uh, email comes from Robert and he says, hello, Brian. So he wants, he's, it's you specifically, actually. He doesn't well, no, like me. Go, go back. It doesn't say hello, Brian. It says, yeah, it says hello, Brian. It says, hello, brain. Oh, man, I can't read. Yeah, it says, hello, brain. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's, let's start that over. Hello, brain. I saw you tweeting about money and thought you might be interested in the biggest launch opportunity of 2017. Shark Tank Star unveils massive potential alert. Brain. Go to HTTPS slash a whole bunch of garbage and fill up the form to secure your position. Thanks, guys. Robert, team leader. So there that Robert has written his name here. I want to believe that his last name is team leader. His middle name is team. <laughs> Just straight so up when Robert, he says, team leader. Hi, I'm Robert leader, but my middle name <laughs> is team. <laughs> um, so those, yeah. Oh, wait, those no, I have, the... I, actually, even better. He'll say, my name is Robert leader. I say, well, yeah, well, you can't just be a leader. You have to be a part of a team. Guess what? My middle name is Team. If you want to see Angelo do some stand-up, he'll be at the comedy <laughs> best next Tuesday. He's doing an open night. Getting booed out of the room. He's got a tight five for everyone in the audience. So yeah, those are the two pieces of mail that we received this week. So um, so be it, right? 
So the end of the mailbag section signals the end of episode 21 of the Double Density Podcast. Tune in next week as we give out a bunch of Qbert cheat codes. As always, you can find us on Twitter, double underscore density, facebook.com slash double density podcast, on Instagram at double density podcast. And you can also hit us up on our brand new website, doubledensity.net. Angelo, I'm going to see you around. See you, Brian. That was great. I'm going to turn off the recording. <laughs>